Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hi, this is Dig a Bit number two, month 11 of our comfort study. I want to take just a minute to talk about the possibility of our falling away after our salvation. And this kind of evolved from verse 1 of chapter 8, in which it says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And the end of that verse in some versions says, Who walk not after the Spirit, but after the flesh. I noted that some manuscripts don't contain that phrase, and so it wasn't written over. Uh, The scribes, some of those who were translating, rather, left that out of the versions. I don't know for sure if it's supposed to be there or not. Those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But I do know that it is clearly taught all over our New Testaments that we can so walk after the flesh. After our initial conversions and salvation, we can so walk after the flesh so as to lose that salvation once we have been in that circle, in that grace space. We are not guaranteed a place if we impenitently walk after the flesh and continue in sin. Thus, the passage that we studied last month, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So I want to take just a minute to talk about One contextual passage, um, if we look at chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, we see a discussion there of being dead to sin. You are dead to sin, so don't let sin reign in your members. So what is the point of saying you are already dead to sin, that is, in a relationship with Christ? You're servants of righteousness rather than servants of sin, as we talked about last week. So don't let sin reign in your members. Well, that is a pretty strong indicator that we needed that warning after we are already saved to not let sin come in and have dominion once again over us. And contextually, in 6, 7, and 8, that idea is everywhere. But I don't believe it is anywhere. It's a lot of places, but I don't believe it's anywhere in Scripture taught more plainly than in the book of Jude. So I want to take just a minute to look at the at the book of Jude, not in detail, but in verse 1, we notice that the book of Jude, right before Revelation, next to the last book of the Bible, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to, who is it written to? It's written to those who are called, beloved, blessed, to those who are sanctified or called or beloved in God the Father and who are preserved in or kept for Jesus Christ and called. That's really very clear there that this book was written to those who were in a saved relationship with the Father and the Son. But verses 3 and 4 give a stout warning Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, that is, we already share salvation in common. 
It was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered to the saints. Why? Why must these people who are already saved earnestly contend for the faith? Well, the reason is in verse 4. For there are certain men who have crept in secretly, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God, our only master and our Lord Jesus Christ. So in verses three and four, we see a warning and we see that it is a warning about the possibility of certain men creeping in and turning away the hearts of those who are already saved. And then he goes into great detail here, giving examples from the Old Testament of those who were in a saved relationship with God and yet gave up that salvation. Verse 3, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once already knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed them who believed not. They were already saved from Egypt, but God turned right around and destroyed them because of their lack of obedient faith. Then verse 6, And the angels, which didn't keep their first estate, but left their own habitation, he has them reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. Even the angels, who already were living with God in heaven, lost that estate. And then he goes on and talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. He talks about um, Cain. He talks about um, those who walked in the way of Cain, verse 11, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for hire and perished at the time of Korah. And then he, he talks about them as being spots or hidden rocks in your feast of charity, raging waves of the thief of the sea, foaming out their own shame. He spends quite a bit of time here talking about how people can fall from their first estate. In fact, the whole point here is that he's writing to those who are, he says it really clearly, verse 1, those who are sanctified, those who are called, those who are beloved in God, those who are preserved in and kept for Jesus Christ. That's who he's writing to. And then he says, but I want to warn you that there are some who are going to come in and try to make you fall from that estate. He even closes the book. Some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment that's spotted by the flesh. So they're wearing the garments of Christ, but the danger is that they will spot them. Now to him who is able to keep you from, from what? From falling or from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. There are many, many 
more passages, a multiplicity of passages to which we should go. In fact, really, the epistles of our New Testament were written to keep Christians from uh, Galatians, to keep Christians from falling back after having been saved into Judaism, which would damn their souls. Um, the first Corinthian letter. Why were they going to withdraw from that man who was a brother? Because he was a part of the church and he had an influence in that church, a leavening influence, and he was going to damage that church. And so they were to withdraw their fellowship from him to cast him, to deliver him to Satan. Well, he was a part of that congregation, but he fell into sin. And so they were instructed to deliver such an one to Satan. I mean, it is the theme of the epistles of the New Testament to help the faithful stay saved. It's a comfortable doctrine to believe that once I am in a covenant relationship with Christ, I can't lose that. But it is not biblical. Now, it is biblical to know that as long as I'm trying, doing my best, repenting of sins as I know about them, and humbly seeking His will. 1 John 1 verse 7, I can be constantly cleansed of my sins and constantly ready to meet my Maker, knowing that I am in a safe condition. There is a balance between the confidence that we can have in our salvation and our vulnerability to when we become careless and we aren't watching and contending for the faith, our uh, vulnerability to falling away, it is ever-present. Well, I hope you have a good day and I hope you're enjoying the study.